friends. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Today, we're going to have some dynamic thoughts from diverse speakers with a biblical viewpoint. Feel free to stick around and prepare to be blessed. Very excited to have our special guests tonight, Shay and Michelle Watson from, oh, yes, Watson, <laughs> from the Pantry Podcast. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. That's awesome. Awesome to be here. Thanks yeah. for inviting us, Pastor. Uh, I know it's been a long time coming. I know you guys are super busy. Uh, your podcast seems to really be catching on fire. Many, many listeners, uh, many interesting topics you guys talk about. And tonight, just excited to hear what you got to say uh, about thriving or surviving. There's been a lot of change in our world, hasn't there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you can't keep up with it anymore, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot going on that just come at you from all different directions. Yeah, but I'm just excited. I know we've talked a little bit prior just how to thrive under change. Nobody really likes change so much. But, um, you know, Shay, take it away. Just anything you want to say just with, to our listeners about how to thrive under change. That's, 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 it's really something that's easy for a believer in the sense that, like, it's written for us. It's in a book. It's in the Bible. It's in the Word of God. And when we study it. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, just be equally yoked to Jesus. Um, does it always work that way? Oh, no. Uh -uh. But, you know, I, when I heard you bring up the topic of environmental change and how to thrive when there's so many changes in the world, in our lives, right, that topic came to me. It's like you can survive or you can thrive. And I remember, you know, when we'd go through training in the military. So I went through military infantry, moved my way up through there, went through a, a school called SEER, which is a survival escape, um, resist and evade. And really the, the whole point behind this training was just to get you through, just to kind of like, you just survive, you know, it's like you evade, you, 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 you get away from the enemy, you try to hide from them. If you get captured, you try to hold back the information because the whole idea of the enemy capturing is to get information. It's for them to try to take out the most recent, the most fresh to see if there's any missions that are going on. And you just sit there and try to delay this until the inevitable happens. In Jesus Christ, we don't have to just survive. We can thrive, you know, and it took me to Ephesians 5. And when I'm thinking about Ephesians 5, um, really in verses 8 through 21 to start it off, it's like we were in darkness, right? And now we're in the light of the Lord. We're children of light. We've been awakened. We've been raised from the dead. We're the light of, and we've got the light of Christ inside of us. How much better could that be just in that start off? You know, and we keep going and when you dissect this down, it's like there are evil days. Um, we have to live carefully. And, I, and, I, and when I see the environment that's going on, and as we progress and as we see from elections to, to culture, to society, to all of these chaotic messes right. that are just going through our, our minds or, or, or we're being fronted with, we have to know that we can't live like fools. We can't act thoughtlessly. We have to have fellowship or we can't have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. We have to be careful, but we need to expose them. They're doing, because they're doing shameful things. And we, and we see this, we see this darkness. And, and when I say expose them, look, 
This is not your excuse to stop evangelizing on Saturdays. This is not your excuse to stop sharing the word of God. Um, because when we look at that, to not have fellowship, right? When we look at that word fellowship in the Greek, it's to share company with, to co-participate, communicate, have fellowship with, be partakers of, right? But it doesn't say that we're supposed to pull back completely. We're not supposed to just excommunicate. If they don't want to hear it, yes, they, Jesus said, dust your, dust your sandals. But it's not to excommunicate. We have a purpose. We have a mission. It's to go out there. Um, because why? Why is this? Because the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. It's righteousness. It's truth. This is what we have as believers. We have this, 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 the Holy Spirit that's inside of us that just builds us up. It holds us. It keeps us. You know, it's this communication that, that comes from Jesus. He's talking to us constantly. He's never far away from us. You know, this is the evil that is being exposed by that light. When we start to read the word of God, when we hold this Bible in our hands, when we sit there and we read and we say, what is God telling me? What is God telling me? It's so that we can determine and we can put something against what we're seeing in the world. So how are we handling this, right? We're moving through this. We need to be doing what the Lord wants us to do. Um, this is still all under Ephesians 5. I mean, Ephesians 5 is a beautiful, beautiful uh, <laughs> illustration of, of how we should be acting and how we should be staying away from the things that distract us from what is good. And so down towards the bottom, I just put in from, from this whole verse set, right? Ways to live. These, it's in there. Don't be drunk with wine. Look, y'all, I'm not just talking about drinking alcohol, okay? When it, when it says don't be drunk with wine, you could even take this a little bit farther, right? And say, don't be drunk in the things of the world, don't let these things, you know, come in and just take you over, you know, to where your decision making becomes impaired. Because let me tell you something, there's more things than just alcohol that can impair your thinking. There's more things that can just take this whole, whole thought, this whole mind, this battlefield, right? And just tear it apart and tear you away from the word of God. But it says, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. That would be Ephesians 5, 2 to be exact. This is what we've been given. This is what we've been given. And man, I. I love my brothers and sisters sometimes, but I see them more in a survival mode than a thriving mode. I see them more in the struggle than I see them in the victory. And I'm not saying that I don't fall into that sometimes. I'm not saying that there are days when I wake up and man, it's like the world comes at me a thousand miles an hour. Look, I'm new to this too, y'all. I'm new to this. But let me tell you something. And maybe it's what I've gone through in my life. Maybe it's all of the, the, the PTSD and some other, other issues of childhood and some other things in my life. But when I finally tasted that or had that aroma, nothing could take me back. I'm like, word of God, Bible study, look, prayer meetings on Thursday, evangelism on Saturday, church on Sunday, because there's one thing I learned in the military. And yeah, okay, secular world, worldly world. I got this. Training. Training. We've got to have that training. We've got to 
be exposed to the good things. When you're coming up in this, even, you know, you hear pastors say it even 30 years later, I'm still learning things. But why are they still learning things? Because of the exposure. They're allowing the word of God to penetrate. So when I say this, we have to have that word of God. We don't want to survive anymore. We want to be thriving. Amen. 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 That's my thought for that. Woo. <laughs> That's a good way to start. <laughs> excellent. Excellent, Michelle. I know you're uh, a husband and wife team there. Did you want to share anything uh, in regards to change? Or this yeah. is some excellent things we'll unpack that sh what Shay said was really good, but I want to give you a few minutes as well. Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, when I think of surviving and thriving, I align with Shay and the verse, some people will call it a life verse, but the, ver the first verse that I learned aside from Jesus wept, because you know, that one's really easy. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the next one was Romans 8, 28. And it's for a lot of people, they enjoy that verse and they cling to it. But I think that when you unpack Romans 8, 28, and you start thinking of it when you think of other verses, it really helps you understand God's in control. God knows what's going to happen. He has a plan laid out. We're already with an understanding that having all of these things to be true about him, the smartest move we can make is to obey whatever he calls us to do and choose the harder path, even like choose the path that is harder if it aligns with God's word more than the easy path. And one of the verses that came to mind for this time was actually in Ecclesiastes when he's saying, let me find it really quick. He said, he has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. And this is right after he talks about there's a season for everything. And that's the heart of what change is about. There's a season for everything. You can expect to experience highs and lows, neutrals, which can be some of the most unnerving times, especially for me, because you're convinced that maybe you're stagnant if it's not a super high or a super low. But you can look to this and understand he's still in control in all of these things. He's lived through it. The, the words in the Bible are geared towards everything. We were, we were talking about this before the show, and I was like, there's so many people in the Bible that had these unexpected things occur. And they're perfect examples of both what is a very fruitful way to handle it. Um, Joseph from the Old Testament was my, my favorite, um, but also how you shouldn't, such as Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you have examples, and I'll, I'll go into Joseph a little more later, but it's important for me when I'm going through these, these trials, I think is the easiest time to really be looking to God for answers and remind myself he's in control. He knows, he mm. knew this was coming. So although it's throwing me for a loop, my team has not been thrown for a loop. My commander has not been thrown for a loop. Ooh. And so I don't need to fear. And yes, I still experience fear, but one thing I always tell people, and I've said it multiple times on our podcast, is the more you say things when you're in a healthy state of mind, when you're not in a situation that might have a lot of trauma or anxiety, if you say those things to yourself when you are in a state to accept them, you will more readily accept them when you are in those tough situations. Because 
usually in tough situations, you don't want to hear what's good for you at the beginning. But if you already know it and you say it all the time anyway, it's going to resonate differently than if you only hear those things, say those things, read those things when you're in trouble. So yes, the Lord is a life raft, but he doesn't only have to be, you know, in case of emergency, break this glass. That doesn't have to be your relationship with the Lord. If you cling to him in the good times and the neutral times, it will be so much easier to remember and cling to him hard when things get crazy. Oh, yeah. Wow. Excellent. I mean, there's so much to unpack here. <laughs> it's hard when there's two of us. <laughs> you guys, you guys are loaded, but you know, I just want to go back. I mean, Shay, you opened this up with that acronym uh, and about your training. I just think with change, it really tests you and all of us actually on, uh, on what we really believe, what we're really going to function in. Um, it really tests to, to really see if we really possess what we profess. Uh, can you go over that acronym one more time and then just talk a little bit about your training? Because I think Michelle brings up a great point. It's too late to train when you're under pressure. But if you're training ahead of time, then it's just reflex when you're under pressure. But right. do you mind going over that, that acronym again? You said something along the lines of survival, evade. That was the only two I got. All right. So it's, it's SEER, S-E-R-E. And that's for survival, escape, resist, and evade. Um, wow. It's, it's a pretty much, you sign a waiver and they pretty much can do anything they want to do to you except kill you. Um, so, you know, you, you go in there, they, they, they take everything away from you. They give you no BDU top. They just give you your t-shirt. They give you your pants. They take your bootlaces. They turn you loose. And that's the part of the, the escape and the survival, right? You're like, you know, this evade portion. It's, or I'm sorry, the evade portion. And so you're evading them. And I'm telling you, if you stay out there longer, I, I happen to stay out for quite a bit of time. They brought the dogs on. Um, they found me. Um, they threw me in a pit. So pretty much if you were to watch a Vietnam movie of, of an airman or somebody who was captured, uh, a downed pilot, that is what they are trying to simulate, that same idea of putting you in cages, putting you in water up to your, up to your chin. Um, and so what is this? This is training, right? It's, it's you know, you're, you're learning how this survival, but in the reality of it, when we look at the POWs, either they're kept for a really long time or they died. Um, and nowadays, with, with the way that the war goes, if you get captured, you're pretty much looking, you know, at the, at the death side of things. So really what we're doing is trying to extend the period of time where we're not giving information. Um, because we want to make sure that any information that they would draw out, because they can draw this stuff out. I'm talking, you know, they, they know how to torture like, like our CIA does. Uh, I shouldn't say that on this, but anyways, it don't matter. But uh, they know how to torture and it's a lot worse. They have no laws or rules. But um. So what we're doing is we're training, like you said, we're training for these times. I like what Michelle said too, you know, in, in the good times, you know, we're in the back, we're training, we're going through this, we're getting ready in the neutral times. And then when the hard times come, you at least have knowledge. You have something that you can turn back on. And in our case as Christians, we can turn back to the Bible. Um, we can turn back to Jesus. But see, here's the deal. Turn back. See, I, I even just said it wrong. I just said it wrong. Turn back to Jesus? No, turn to Jesus. You know, it's, it's a different mentality. You know, survival, I'm turning back to, to my training, thinking back. I'm, no, in Jesus, I'm turning to him because we're already there. We're in this relationship. And I think that's important. 
Excellent, excellent. I love that that correction you just made because sometimes it's like that. We kind of veer off course and and we forget our training and then like the information that we've received. I mean, information is such power, especially as believers. And when things are changing like they are in our world, I mean, every day we're uh, maybe being uh, confronted with things and it's challenging us. Like Michelle said, there, you know, highs in the sense of everything going well, predictable. It's something that we we're expecting. Lows, maybe it's a little unpredictable. It's like, okay, what's happening next? But Michelle, you mentioned the word neutral, which is kind of an interesting, uh, another interesting stage as far as changing. Like, how do we move through those neutral times so that we can thrive? Because I think, you know, just surviving, we're trying to protect what we have. We're trying to hold on tightly to what we have. When as believers, God is wanting to do the Ephesians 3.20. He wants to give us uh, above and beyond what we can ask or think, but the neutral times send, tend to be uh, more often than not. You, you want to comment on that? Yeah, I think the neutral times can sometimes be the most dangerous in the sense of your guards down, um, but they themselves are not dangerous, but you're at risk of getting impatient, antsy, starting to fall into making decisions based on what you want to do, what you think is best, because you're tired of waiting on God to give you the next go move. And also because it's at the time where the enemy can start playing with you like, well, are you doing enough? You know, are you, are you good enough? Are you getting lazy? Are you getting complacent? And I don't have the verse on me right now, but a verse that comes to mind is one where it says that God calls us to a quiet life, where we're not supposed to be striving and ambitious, trying to just reach to new heights and, and gain, gain clout and levels and, and level up within ourselves. And I think those neutral times are a time of temptation because the world, like you said, the traditions of men seem to orient us towards gaining more and more power. So it's easy in those neutral times where you don't feel the high of God's using me right now for something glorious, even though he might be using you for amazingly glorious things like raising a family, being a great friend, serving quietly in church. But when you become, in psychology, they say sensory adaptation. It's when, yeah, your house smells wonderful, but you're always there, so you can't smell that smell anymore. And you only remember it smells great when a friend comes over and says something. So... Um, that's, that's kind of the idea, you know, if, if you're just doing the same calling you've been doing for a while, and you might be doing it great, but now suddenly the satisfaction is lacking. Um, and, and those kind of situations, you might feel like you're just surviving, but you're actually thriving, you know, and it's, that's why it's important for us to check in with the word and have a relationship with God where we're praying and consulting the word and and speaking about him, fellowshipping, because that's how we continue to hear from him. Most people want to hear audibly when really our prayers are often answered through biblical counsel from those around us and one-on-one -on -one time in the word. So in those moments, you end up finding that one of two things. You either find, hey, you know, after all, I am thriving and I can have that inner peace and I don't have to believe the lies of the enemy. 
I can be patient and wait on the Lord for the next step, whether it be because it's something challenging in a negative way or challenging in an exciting way. Um, or the downside is you don't check in with the word and you start to succumb to the temptations to figure out your next step on your own. You know, I need a new job. You know, I need to move. You know, I'm restless here. I'm, you know, I'm not happy in this situation. And those kind of things, even though the Lord doesn't leave you, you kind of check out from the Lord for a second and then you're missing your next step. So now he has to redirect you next time you remember to ask him instead of just continue from where you left off. Wow. I mean, I think you just uh, described maybe many situations that, that people face, uh, all of us face. We get restless. Um, we're not thriving in the sense of enjoying God where we are. But right. instead, instead, we're looking for that high, that stimuli. Uh, Shay or Michelle, what would you say about this statement? Maybe, maybe say it in your own words, that how could now, in whatever situation that we might be in, prepare us for the next step? Like we see through all throughout scriptures that God does not waste time. I mean, everything is in preparation to know him, to uh, be equipped uh, for the next thing. And in change, we don't like change because it's unpredictable, it's uncomfortable. And uh, we're in a world full of change with the corona, with uh, just different mandates, with uh, just, just all kinds of things that are kind of surprises. But I love, Michelle, what you said earlier that the commander and team is not thrown off. I thought that was right. brilliant. But do you want to just talk a little bit, either one of you, about how does now prepare us for the next? I think that we, I'm going to actually turn it to my wife. <laughs> but uh, for, for one reason, we, when we were thinking about this, we had two people in mind. Um, one was Joseph and the other one was Elijah. And, and both of those, like to the question that you're, you're stating right now, both show ways of this, of working through this um, at different kind of uh, ideas. Joseph, I'm going to give it to her so she can describe that because I, I dial in on Elijah. I mean, from my, from my world, my life, it's kind of one of those things I see, but I want to hear her Joseph. Yeah, I loved the story of Joseph as an example of what to do when the world just keeps throwing you curveballs. And when I say the world, you know, I mean, God used people um, to build Joseph and, and to edify all of us when we're reading it. But from the beginning, we don't hear him complain. He's never, he never falls into a psalm of complaining. And we know there's many psalms full of complaining. And we can relate to that. But I mean, he's a good standard. He's a healthy standard of like, he's not complaining. We don't hear that. He, he may, but that's not what God decided to highlight at all when he's sold into slavery, <laughs> when Potiphar's wife blackmails him, and then he's thrown into prison, when he is forgotten by the fellow prisoner, when the fellow prisoner is freed. Um, every time the world would tell you, and even your flesh might tell you, you know, today is just not your day. You know, what can I do to get out of this? And it never seems like Joseph is doing that. At each step, he's glorifying the Lord. He knows it's wrong to be with Potiphar's wife and declare so straight to Potiphar's wife. Doesn't care about her status. Doesn't care who she is or what's going to happen. He just denies her. And 
some people will be like, see, you were denying her and being all righteous. And then you ended up in prison. Well, in prison that God used that in that Romans 8, 28 way, he used that moment and brought Joseph to the next step, one step closer to being in an incredible role of power over all of Egypt. And yet you could never have predicted that in the prison cell. And then in, when he was brought before the Pharaoh, he's saying, I am not the one who can interpret this dream for you. It's the Lord. He gives the Lord the glory. He doesn't say, you know, I can do this. He's not, he's never falling into, it's about me. It's about what I can do. He's not, you don't see him getting antsy or doubtful. And then when his brothers and him finally reunite, he's declaring, don't worry that you sold me. God used it. And so over and over, he's using these things, keeping a level head, being faithful to the Lord. And then ultimately, every single time he's relocated. And at first, it's to a worse and worse place. But then because he's continuing to be faithful, trusting whatever it is, knowing God's going to be faithful and guard him, then eventually he ends up the second most powerful. I mean, some would argue he was more powerful than Pharaoh because Pharaoh wasn't even trying to do it, what he was calling Joseph to do. Um, but my favorite verse is in Genesis 39, 21. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Mm. And that just shows how unpredictable God's plan is to man. But it goes back to those verses that I read before that say, God knows all of it. And his right. plan employs absolutely every iota of existence. And we are so unqualified to do even a fraction of that, that it's important to, to use, I think, Joseph as like a, a right. great case of, hey, I can be more like Joseph today. Right. Excellent. Excellent. I think, you know, we strive to understand. We, we want to understand what God is doing. We want to figure it out. And, um, you know, I just love what you're saying because God's not asking us to try to understand what he's doing. He's asking us to just trust. He's asking us to believe because his plan may be, uh, uh, some people might say, uh, you know, in a logical way, I want to understand, but really God's way is chronological. It's like step by step, moment right. by moment. And I, I think with Joseph, I mean, here was a man that just kept looking to the Lord and over and over, it was like God was with him. God was with him no matter what curveball the devil would throw it was like he would rely back on his training his personal walk of faith and 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 i think nowadays and as we near the rapture even more there will be more unusual things that happen and we have to remember that we're not called to understand god we're called to trust and believe in him and right. he and he will make it straight he will make it clear um but, but Shay, do you want to talk about Elijah, like what your thought is about Elijah, or, or just chime in here in any way you want? Elijah is an awesome story. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I love Elijah, only, only because it shows an up and a down, and it shows an, a, a, an up again. Um, you know, he just comes, he comes to the mountain, and, you know, they build the fires, and he's like calling your gods, and here these guys are whipping and beating and killing, you know, just tearing themselves apart, <laughs> trying to get this. He's like, should we take lunch? You know, he's, he's just like, he's just loading <laughs> them on. And, and, he, and then he gets up there, it's his turn, he, and he, you know, builds his fire, and he douses it with water, and bam, it, you know, it lights up. Well, I mean, and then you get into the next, next chapter, and Jezebel says, 
I'll, you know, he, they kill all those prophets, you know, those false prophets. And, and Jezebel says, I want to do the same thing to him. And then he goes into this tailspin. He goes into this tailspin of just like, oh, woe is me. Oh, my goodness. He runs. He hides, you know, God. And he's always talking like, why, why God, why this? But God's always sending him something. He sends him nutrition. He sends him provision. He puts him up under a tree. He tells him to keep moving. He takes him all the way to the cave. And he shows him all of this craziness, the earthquake, the winds. the, And then he comes in in this soft voice. And there's this connection. See, this whole time, Elijah's sitting there saying, I'm alone. I'm alone. But then God says, no, 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 no. There's like, I can't remember how many thousand, but there was, you know, all these thousands, I think 7,000 or something, he says, of these men who have never bowed a knee to another God and they're with you. You know, so he's not alone. And it kind of demonstrates this idea that, you know, we're not alone. Um, we have Jesus Christ. We have, we have God. We have the Holy Spirit to rely on. Not only that, we're body life, right? Being in the body of Christ, there's, he wasn't alone. He had all these other people that believed in God the same way that he did. And then where does that carry? Elijah to Elisha. You know, it carries into discipleship. And, and then Elisha moves on. It's like he carries that on, that torch. Um, I came across a song and I know this is like, I'm just going to throw it in there. Cause I thought it was really cool. It's an old quartet. I'm not going to sing it y'all. I'm not going <laughs> to sing it. I do sing on the worship team in silver spring. I'm not doing it, but redeemed quartet came out with this song and it said they stood true. And it says Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in a foreign land. When the crowd knelt to the idol, they boldly took their stand, not afraid of the evil King or the fiery furnace flames where others would have buckled their faith in God remained. Daniel knelt to pray each day to the Lord in a foreign land. The evil men around him tried to criticize this man. Standing still in faithfulness, he faced the lion's den. When all he had was Jesus, old Daniel would not bend. Stephen stood for Jesus. He boldly preached the word. All the scoffing Pharisees despised the truth they heard. They stoned the fearless preacher as he lifted up his eyes. Jesus stood to welcome him at the Father's side. And then it says they stood true. When there was nothing left to do, they held their ground. When no earthly help was found, they knew the Lord, they, and they depended on his word. When there was nothing left to do, they looked to God. They stood true. Woo. We can stand true. Amen. We wow. can stand true in his word. Amen. 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 Hey, I love listening to you guys. Just to say, I mean, <laughs> you could go on all night here. So much great content, so practical. And I, I really love the Pantry podcast. And just want to encourage our listeners to check them out. I'll put links uh, on, the, uh, on the content here so you can check them out. But Shay and Michelle, uh, thanks so much. What a, maybe I'll just say this last thought here that what you just described, Shay, that God there might be a lot of things changing around us, but God wants to change us and yes. how, you know, we know the whole cliche of we can't necessarily control what's going on, but we can control how we respond to it. Right. And yeah. um, I think you just explained that with Joseph. And, you know, one thing I do that helps me and, and maybe, uh, you know, ways to thrive is just to, you know, I say this statement often to myself when, Sometimes we feel powerless or feel like there's things we can't change or things we shouldn't change uh, or to even try changing. But I, I like to say this, that I am the Lord's, the work is the Lord's, and the results are the Lord's. Mm. And oh, yeah. That, that's, that's kind of, I don't know, for me, it kind of talks me down off the ledge right. of, of insanity. <laughs> 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 but I am the Lord's. The work is the Lord's and the results of the Lord's. And that causes us to thrive and enjoy God 
in no matter what chaotic instance is going on or what good instance, maybe the mountaintop. I mean, you have the valley. Right. And then, you know, where all the moisture is and all the fruit is. And then you have the mountaintop where you have an excellent view, but there's no real vegetation. And then you have the climb in between where God right. is like, I'm making you, I'm building you, I'm loving you. And uh, wow. Thanks so much for uh, joining us tonight. And any, clo- any closing comments? Got- I'm just thankful for you inviting us. Um, I'm going to repeat this back to, to everyone else. I are inner revolution podcast gotta listen yeah um it's it's been on fire i've enjoyed every minute that i've listened to um and i just want to say thank you for having us on yeah thank you it's an honor wow god bless you guys look forward to having you on real soon oh yeah god bless you too pastor take care thanks for joining us for another episode of the inner revolution podcast Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Your feedback is always welcome.